Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Seneca Check-Ins. In this episode, I speak with Mariana Verlaggi from the class of 2013. We talk about her passion for environmental sustainability, and she teaches us a few things that can help all of us live in a more sustainable way. We take a detour into the fun story of how she met her now husband, which might be my favorite couple story of all time. And finally, we end with a heart-to-heart about her personal growth since graduation and how tough it can be to set your own priorities for what makes you happy, especially when they go against what the traditional definition of success is. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed our conversation. Let's get started. Hey, Mariana. Mama, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. Are you ready? Absolutely. I am ready. Perfect. Let's start with some background. Can you paint us a picture of Mariana in college? Where did you live? What did you study? What clubs were you in? All that fun stuff. I was at Harvard between 2009 and 2013. Uh, I was in Mather House, which I loved. Living in a concrete box wasn't awesome, but I got a single within that box, so I was happy. Um, And yeah, so I was in the Seneca. Well, I joined my sophomore year and sophomore junior year. I was the community events chair. And then junior, senior year, I was president. So I was very much involved with the Seneca and spent a lot of my time doing that. Um, I studied environmental engineering and got a secondary in earth and planetary sciences. So I was also in labs a bunch. <laughs> and I also worked in a lab my sophomore through senior year while I was in school. Have you always been interested in environmental sustainability or did that start in college? Um, Why is it that you've stayed so passionate about it this entire time? I was thinking about this and the year when I really became interested in sustainability was senior year of high school. I had an awesome AP environmental sciences teacher. I had never been so interested in anything prior to AP environmental science senior year of high school. So after that, I kind of went into college knowing that I wanted to do sciences. And my freshman year, I just naturally started taking science-related classes and classes related to environmental engineering. And people would always say, you know, don't you want to explore other things? And what if, you know, you were actually interested in something else. But I just kept saying, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. And this is what I love. Okay. So you fell in love with environmental science in high school and then concentrated in environmental engineering in college. What did you do after college and what are you doing now in the same field? I'll backtrack in a little bit to give you a little bit of background. But when I left Harvard, I moved to Chicago and just entered corporate America with a very normal job. It was great because within a year and a half, I was able to pay off student loans and save some money. And it was a super, it was the cushiest job I've ever had and probably will ever have. Um, But it really taught me that 
I needed to be in the sustainability world. So after that, I moved to, well, I met my now husband and we both moved to Sydney, Australia. And that was the first time I was in the environmental sector in my professional life. So I did some sustainability consulting around the city of Sydney. Um, We also were working on designing an off-grid house and I was working with a school to incorporate sustainability curriculum. So I was just kind of all over the place, which is one of the things I love about what I do. It can apply to pretty much any industry. That sounds really cool. And you hadn't lived in Sydney. So how are you able to get involved in all these different kinds of projects? I offered to work for free because I knew I was like, okay, if I can just get my foot in the door and show people that I actually know what I'm talking about and I'm a capable human being, then I'll get a job. And so I reached out to this uh, this man. His name is Michael Mobs, and he's the person I ended up working for. And he's basically a sustainability guru in Sydney. So I reached out to him and I just said, do you need help on with anything? I will help you for no money. <laughs> and so I worked with him for a week and offer. then he hired me. So it was great. <laughs> Can you share the story of how and why you decided to leave your life and move to a country you'd never been to without a job? (laughs) No, without a job, no security. Uh, Yeah, sure. His name is Toby Archibald. (laughs) And we met on Halloween night at a bar. My husband, my now husband is from New Zealand and he was working in New York at the time. And he and his friends from New Zealand had just decided to get together and do a little trip around the U.S. since they're all scattered across the world now. And so they were in Chicago just for that weekend because their rugby team was playing our rugby team. So it was a complete coincidence. He was just there for two days. He was dressed as a Ninja Turtle. I just saw him and he was, he and his friends seemed super fun. They were just dancing it up like, American boys typically don't. And so I was like, oh, they're they're a little different. Let's go dance with them. And then my friend and I danced with their group of friends, you know, all night. And we ended up at breakfast together, like the whole group of us at like five in the morning. And then I slept for three hours. And then they had happened to have a couple extra tickets to this rugby game. And we just dated long distance. He came to Thanksgiving here in Texas with my family before we'd even had a first date (laughs) and he had to leave the country because of his visa. And I wasn't ready to give that relationship up. I had dated enough to realize when something good was in front of me, if you will. And I just wasn't ready to, to give it up. And I wasn't happy in Chicago at the end of the day, I was ready for a change too. So how did you go from, you did some environmental sustainability consulting in Australia, and now you run this Instagram page Mm -hmm. um, where you're trying to 
teach people more about environmental sustainability? How did that shift happen? You've made a lot of shifts in life. I I, um, (laughs) ask ask Toby, I'm constantly pivoting. This is what I call it. I call it a pivot because it makes me feel better. (laughs) But I am seemingly constantly pivoting. Um, Well, to recap, I we were in Sydney for a year and then decided to move back to the States because of visas, to be honest. Um, it was going to be tricky for me to stay. And we just decided at that point we were engaged and we made the, the decision to move to the States. So once I got back, I pretty immediately started working for an architecture and construction company here in Dallas. And I was their sustainability manager. And I did all of the documentation and project management and everything behind lead certification buildings and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I was there for a couple of years. And then I decided, I mean, not overnight, but throughout my time there, I just decided that being in a corporate setting was not for me. I missed the freedom and flexibility that I had had in Sydney and the monotony of corporate life just just didn't suit me. So I quit after um, a year and a half, couple of years there, and I decided to go on my own and do solar system design for both residential and commercial. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then pivoted again and decided, you know what, I learned a lot from that experience, but this still doesn't quite feel right and doesn't quite fit. And then that's when my mom and I started our business together, July of August of 2019. Um, and it's called Mother Daughter Earth. And we really, we really just focus on environmental education and facilitating a sustainable lifestyle, if nothing else, and really making a sustainable life feel attainable to people. And I do believe that those small changes collectively add up. So that's what we're doing now. And what do you think people get wrong most often about living in an environmentally sustainable way? I think people think that you're supposed to, you know, from overnight, start living what you call a quote unquote, sustainable lifestyle. And that's not, that's not the way I see it personally. I mean, this is what I do every single day. And I still have lots of ways that I can be better and grow. It's just, it's a, it's a gradual shift and it doesn't need to happen overnight. And it also doesn't need to be hard. And my biggest thing is people sometimes I have found see living sustainably as giving up some thought, some quality of life. And to me, it's completely the opposite. I feel as though when you live consciously and mindfully and sustainably that you're adding to your quality of life. What are some examples of really simple changes you think people could make sort of get them started on their journey of thinking more consciously about what they consume and doing it in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. There's a million different things that I could rattle off, but at the end of the day, it's a mindset shift 
towards questioning your day-to-day choices. If you just ask yourself, is this the best way I could be doing fill in the blank? Like, is this the best and most mindful way I could be doing my grocery shopping? Well, I mean, maybe not. Like maybe, okay, maybe you already use reusable bags and you're not using the plastic bags from the grocery store. But what about the bags that you put your produce in? Are those still plastic? Or what about all the items that you buy? I mean, how much packaging is is there? Could you possibly buy a few items that are from bulk bins? What about the fruits that you buy? Could some of them possibly be organic? Or what about the meat that you buy? You know, like there's so many different levels. If I had to say one thing, it's learning for yourself how to start questioning your choices that possibly seem automatic. And the resources are all there, you know, to help you along the way. And that's what hopefully Mother Daughter Earth does, at least right now with our Instagram page, is expose people to different things they might not have thought of before or have even had even thought to think of. <laughs> you know, and give yourself the permission slip to not be perfect, right? We do that in a, hopefully other areas of our life. So why do we feel as though we need to hold ourselves to an unrealistic standard when it comes to sustainable living? I mean, I don't own an electric car. I I drive an eco mode, (laughs) but you know, an electric car right now is not part of my realistic budget and that's okay. Um, Toby and I purchase renewable energy at our house, you know, do what you can but it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I also, what has been happening recently with, you know, global lockdown and global quarantine, to me, from the very beginning, it was so phenomenal to see the power of collective action. Because I feel as though before this, so many times I would hear people say, well, I'm just one person. What does it matter if I just make this change? I mean, millions of other people are still using plastic bags or water bottles. But what's happening right now is an amazing... This has never happened before. Of course, we've all heard people say that recently. But this is showing that we truly can have global collective action when something is important enough. And to me, that is exciting to see for sustainable living and for the environment. Maybe it's that it's more long-term. And so people don't feel the sense of urgency. You know, with the virus, if you get sick today, you'll show symptoms and that will happen within the span of like a month. It's very immediate. I guess the challenge with um, anything related to environmental sustainability is for most people, it feels like the consequences are really far away, even though they're not. Um, it's really interesting how, as a species, how we haven't really reacted to the issue of climate change in the way that we possibly should have, and why, as you said, we don't feel this sense of urgency, even though the science is there and it's clear and it's giving us the information that we need. One, 100% you nailed it. It's the timeline is not immediate, right? And that's a big one. The other one is there isn't a clear place to point your finger. So there isn't a clear 
villain, if you will. With COVID-19, it's the virus. You know, everyone knows who, what's, what's the problem and the solution to fix it. With climate change, it's so intertwined into our everyday lives. And it's not just one thing. Like if going on the meat argument, like if, if we could say, okay, if everyone in the world just only ate meat two days a week, then climate change would be done and over with. Well, that's not the case. It's so intertwined into the way we live our everyday lives. And that's, that's another aspect of it. And then another big thing is this idea that, you know, climate change is happening somewhere else, but it's not happening in Dallas. It's not happening in Nairobi. It's happening at, in, you know, in Antarctica and it's not going to affect me. And I think people more and more are realizing that's not the case, but it's this kind of displaced issue that's happening somewhere else, but not in my immediate community. There's a lot more to it than that, but it is it is an interesting issue to try to wrap your head around and, and face when all those triggers that we've been conditioned to react to, like the immediacy of it, you know, it's right in front of you you know who to blame. All of those aren't there with climate change. And so taking that collective action, I think is that much harder. Yeah. I hope that we, I think we're going to come out of this um, quarantine period and pandemic with a lot of really interesting like lessons and innovations. And I hope one of them is that, you know, we actually can, if we decide, make massive changes on a global scale and people will adapt pretty quickly. I don't know if I told you, but in Kenya, they actually banned all one, like one-time use plastic bags. Nice. And they were pretty serious about it where they're like, if you see you with the plastic bag, like you get fined, you can get arrested. And they just completely disappeared overnight. And people stopped, they stopped talking about it. Like, and that's, yeah. And like, that's the new, new way of life. And exactly. It's the new normal, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, yeah. And I actually, fun fact, in Dallas, there was a time a few years ago where they did the same thing. They banned single-use plastic bags, lasted about four months, and then some important people were a little bit disturbed, and then they repealed it. <laughs> like That's so disappointing. So disappointing. Well, I feel like anyone who's listening will have learned a lot and hopefully feel encouraged that they don't have to be perfect to get started. It's not an all or nothing. You can have your quality of life and and I will argue you'll have more quality of life. And it just the, you know, sustainable a sustainable lifestyle doesn't have to look the same for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And what's the name of the page again for anyone who wants to check you out? It's Mother Daughter Earth. Correct. Yes. Mother Daughter Earth. We're most active on Instagram right now. Um, and we also have a website that I'm currently revamping. Um, and there will be a few fun things on the horizon to be announced. But yes, on Instagram. I already follow the page and I love it. But I always feel like um, whenever I see your posts and your videos on something new, I'm always like, oh, I can do that. Like it feels doable, yeah. which is awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Thanks, Naima. All right. So I want to ask you a Seneca check-in style question. Oh, okay. So it's now been seven years for you, right? Since you graduated. Yes, indeed. 
<laughs> I'm about to turn the big 3-0 this summer. Oh, my goodness. I know. Okay. Um, when's your birthday? July 27th. Just a few days before Harry Potter's birthday. Just for a way for you to remember <laughs> that. <laughs> Um, when is Harry Potter's birthday? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the 31st. <laughs> Why do you know Harry Potter's Cause birthday? Because I love Harry Potter. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, I wanted to ask you if you think about Mariana today and Mariana at, say, graduation, what are the changes or what's the growth that you're most proud of in yourself oh man (laughs) you Um, can pick one thing you can pick like a hundred things I might not include all of them in the final edit but I'd love to hear all of them um, so no pressure yes no pressure none at all I would say since graduation day and it's still something that I'm working on but it's gotten better I have felt a tremendous pressure to live up to the, not the title, but live up to the fact that I did go to an amazing university and the expectation Mm -hmm. of what I'm supposed to do with that and what that looks like. But over the past couple of years, especially, I've made decisions in my life that are right for me. And I know what I want to prioritize in my life. That may not be society's definition of success. And I'm okay with that. Or I'm becoming more okay with that. (laughs) Let's put it that way. What are some of the things that you're prioritizing that feel like are not what you're quote unquote supposed to be prioritizing right now? Well, I definitely prioritize freedom. Um, When I was graduating and I was younger, financial abundance and financial success was more important. So my personal aspects of life that I'm prioritizing and that are important to me are freedom. Um, I told you, I think last time we talked, I don't ever want to ask for a long lunch break ever again. And I'm not going to. (laughs) And I don't want to ask someone if I can take a vacation. That's not the lifestyle I want to live. So freedom is definitely at the top. Impact is also a big one for me. I want, I, I need to feel as though I'm having a positive impact on the world and on other people around me. And the work that I'm doing right now definitely makes me feel that. And I, there's obviously room to grow, but I'm, I feel like I'm already doing that in what I do every day. And the last one for me is abundance. I just want to feel like I'm living an abundant lifestyle and I'm soaking in all that life has to offer. When we can travel again, that definitely includes travel. That includes having quality time with my friends and my family and the people I love. Um, That obviously includes financial abundance and that will come. (laughs) But as any entrepreneur will tell you, you kind of just have to take that first step and I have to trust that it's going to work out. Where do you get the patience from or what's your reminder to be patient? Because I think, you know, fundamentally what you're describing is you're being patient with yourself and knowing that 
uh, the like vision that you have for success, first of all, is one that you've defined on your own, not one that is um, externally motivated or comes from somewhere else. And second, that like you're giving yourself time to get there. You're not saying like, oh, I should have been here by 30 already. Dude, I suck at patience. <laughs> I mean, I'm not good at it. But I just know that this this is what I'm meant to be doing. And I, I know like the difference between like feeling like I'm on the right track versus not. And at the end of the day, I do feel like I'm on the right track. So I just have to trust that the timing is as it should, (laughs) but that's really difficult for sure. I asked because I know you as a very ambitious person, right? And I mean like ambitious in the most positive sense of the word. So for me, it's really interesting to that know that side of you and then know or hear you say at the same time that, you know, you're doing your best to be really patient with yourself over the long term. It's, um, it's a really impressive balance, I have to say. Oh, thanks, friend. And it is interesting always to see or to hear the way other people perceive you and then then to know what actually goes on in your head <laughs> and how mm-hmm. you feel like I I feel like I'm crawling at a snail's pace right now. Um and it's and it's hard, but I mean, aren't we aren't we all feeling that way right now to some degree? This was awesome. Thank you so much. A, I feel like we just had another catch up, which was great. Uh, but B, thank you also for agreeing to be the guinea pig for season one, episode one, the Seneca check-ins. Nama, <laughs> thank you so much for asking me. Thank you for doing this for everyone. And I can't wait to see or hear who else you have on the podcast. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks again to Mariana for sharing, and thanks to you for listening.